Aunt Wu is expecting you. Yes. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 3, Episode 15, The Boiling Rock Part 2. And I need to change the thingy here. Let's change that because that's not right. It's Part 2, not Part 12. Okay, so that's done. Today on my panel I have Corey. And me. And it's just the two of us. So, we are in part two of this episode, and, and we, we really do start right where we left off. So, why don't we do that, quickly go through our initial thoughts, and then get right back into this episode. So, Corey, your initial thoughts. Go ahead. I love this episode from start to finish. I almost have no complaints about it. It's a classic prison break episode, but done in Avatar style. There was humor. There was uh, intensity. I love Sokka's dad. He's such a good character, and he really shined this episode. Um, obviously, Azula is Azula and does Azula things, and Azula on screen is always good. Um, every character in this episode had a chance to shine. This was obviously a, an Aang absent episode, um, and that was very much helped the episode. Uh, Zuko was great, uh, Sokka was great, uh, everyone in this episode was great, and it was a feel-good ending, um, and I love this episode. Yeah, I, I think this episode is is remarkably good. Um, in general, The Boiling Rock as a whole is, as, as this is a two-parter, but what's interesting to me is that we kind of think of the of, of this show, as in, in by this show I mean Foster Mount Wu, as kind of two separate tracks. There's the episodes that we... We always loved that we looked at and said, well, maybe it doesn't do as much from our perspective, looking at it very critically, looking at how this projects forward and impacting the rest of the show, how it impacts looking back and shows episodes that were really good, that we really like, that maybe don't hold hold up as well. Then you have the opposite, an episode, for instance, like The Serpent's Past that I always liked, but watching it again and watching it using the critical eye that we have in a podcast and the critical thoughts from Aunt Wu eye of knowing the future and knowing what's happening often will, wow, this episode was actually even better than I remember. This is, I think, that rare episode that I both loved when I was younger and when I just watched this show as a show. And yet I also find it fascinating from our perspective projecting the rest of the show and it's it's not like this is as good as we remember because there's obviously episodes like that that are just phenomenal this is both good for the reasons that we thought of that i thought of a while ago as well as good for reasons that i thought of critically watching the show now and that's an interesting thing to happen that i want to kind of get into as we go um but do you do you kind of feel that way because because especially with the azula stuff that's going to come that to me feels so much deeper knowing the entire show, knowing that this is the start of Azula's demise, while all of the other stuff with Sokka and his father and with Suki felt very much in line with, that was stuff I used to love about this episode from the beginning, and it's that stuff's still great, but do you understand that that like, almost has the dual, dual modes of, of liking it? Yes, uh, I've uh, throughout us starting this, there was episodes that I loved growing up that I didn't like now watching it critically and um, vice versa. 
Um, this was an episode that I love. I remember, of course, I love this episode when I was younger. And I, you know what? I will even go a step above. I think I liked it more now with my critical hat on because I just, as an adult, I'm able to like appreciate like the character interactions. I'm able to appreciate what they're doing with you know Zuko's. It was just the they, there was more emotion with me with Zuko's. Uh, not Zuko, uh, Sokka's dad. Um, and there was a lot more even emotion, even though I don't like um, what's going on with Zuko and his girlfriend. Um, I actually appreciated it towards the end now, especially for what it, how it ended. So yes, I, 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 I'm taking more positives away from it now than I, I even did when I first watched it. All right, so let's let's just start right at, right at the beginning, because it also kind of starts off a little bit with a bang, with, with see, Sokka's finally you know, seeing his father and the initial lineup and just in general we, we've said this many times but we're going to keep saying it because it's important the facial expressions on this show are just incredible and seeing Hakoda the pride on, on his face his ability to convey so much emotion without without talking is just just incredible and I think like it really needs to be said how great this is in terms of animation because it's very easy to for animation to have trouble with this, where you're not looking at actually a real pe- person. There's not an actor sort of giving off a real expression. But this this show is, you know, is, is really incredible that it, it's subtle. It's not like, you know, anime facial expressions where it's, you know, you need the, the crazy background with the crazy reaction. It's just small little things. But you can tell everything about what Hakoda is thinking in this moment and that that's really great and just something that we need to, to continue to say over and over yes and what a introduction to him in this episode where just the, his interaction with the uh the warden was great like how he was stern but you know like again there's minor nitpicks that it's not even like faulty writing of the show but like in real life, I would imagine that if he were to trip the guard after being so insubordinate, he just would have gotten his ass kicked and possibly put in solitary. There was a lot of things that but consequences the, the, the that. One, the, one, the one thing I like about that though is that he does it in such a way that it's that you can make an like it's it's reasonable to think of it as not not necessarily something he did clearly. Now, obviously, this is a Fire Nation prison, and you're right that. It's not like they actually have rules and would be able to say, oh, no, you didn't actually catch me doing anything. But I almost get I almost got the sense from looking at it that I don't that it makes just a, a little bit of sense that like he does it in a subtle enough way that it's harder to have it as stern of a reaction to it. Right, right. Um, it, it, again, it's me really putting on my nitpicky hat. Where, you know, there's just like a, a, a few small, tiny things where it's like in real life, especially in a, a Fire Nation prison, there, there would just be a lot more harsher conditions, especially with the reputation of Boiling Rock. So it is what it is. And yeah. they, yeah, I, again, that, that is fair. That is fair. I, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You can't write yourself into a corner, though, because yeah. there's a lot. Of, yeah, so. So are, are, are Sokka and Hakoda two Water Tribe geniuses? Um, that was a very good joke. I appreciate again. They're, when they interact with each other in the prison, it's just so heartwarming. How do you not like? They're they're, they're such a good father son duo. You can clearly see Sokka is flabbergasted around his dad and like doesn't like you know isn't always quite himself. He loses a lot of his ego around his dad, and his dad is just 
a badass. It, it so, works well because there's a good juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition between the way Sokka is with his dad and the way Sokka is with Suki. Because with Suki, he's trying to kind of put on airs and be more authoritative and be like look like he knows what he's doing with the girl he likes. While with his dad, it's it's so much more like he suddenly feels like a little kid again, and that that that's a good that's a good gauge, especially because you know if when you when you get down to it, the the genuine theme of this show is loss of innocence, loss of childhood. When Sokka's dad left, Sokka was still a little kid. So it's hard. he doesn't have any pre-existing slots of interacting with his dad as an adult. He inter- When he interacts with his dad, he interacts as a kid. And I think that's, like, important to see that you, like, remember that A, Sokka is still a kid. And B, when his dad left, he was really a kid. Yes, and even on top of that, they could have easily went into the trope that around his dad, he's, like incompetent and his dad's doing all the work and then his dad would have had the speech with him like Sokka you really need to step up and become a leader and that but they didn't they they Sokka was still himself and still completely on his game and was able to set up this prison break and he didn't lean on his dad and his dad didn't have to have like the speech with him being like I need you to step up now like that's what I liked about it too it was more so just them being co-equals okay so now is going to be the time for us to get on our get on our soapbox and talk about the mistreatment of prisoners. And not in like a humanitarian kumbaya way, but this warden and these prison guards fuck up. Because why is it that um, Chit Sang is able to lie about, or why does Chit Sang lie about which guard was the one involved? Oh, it's because it's the guard who was a dick to him. If he wasn't like that, maybe that doesn't become the case. As well, the way the warden runs things makes it very easy to slip things under his nose. So, if any of you want to be a tyrannical prison ruler, or really just a tyrannical leader of anything, understand you create problems for yourself. Well, again, yeah, I mean, it's just like... You don't get to respond. You like the Empire. But th- these guys are worse than the Empire, in my opinion. I mean, depends on your, depends on your po- point of view. The the, the fact is, uh, I'm not going to make this into a Star Wars debate. But oh, we're going to get into a Star Wars debate because I have something. The the Empire would have won if it wasn't for the magic of the Force. Mm. And let here, and it's a funny they don't have the. The deus ex of the Avatar in this episode, they, they are just really incompetent. No, and but here's... You want the Star Wars comparison. This is the Star Wars comparison. This episode is what Rogue One should have been. This episode is Rogue One. So let me, I, lay, out, let me lay out my case. Right. So why did they make Rogue One? Other than the obvious reason of making a lot of money. What is the sort of... What are they trying to do with Rogue One? To tell a story... Well, first off, show, like, the darker side of Star Wars. But besides no, that, no. the show Ragtag... No, no, no. Not even that. What is the... From a... What, is, what story are they trying to tell with Rogue One? Underdog stealing the Death Star plans from... They're, 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 pr- how the Rebellion got the Death Star plans. Right? That's the, the thing. 
And in this movie, what do they do? They explain how the Death Star was so vulnerable to a single torpedo. Right? That happens. Okay. So a lot of people question, like, how, how could the Death Star be destroyed by just, like, one shot? How did that happen? And Rogue One has an explanation for it. Some guy put that into the Death Star on purpose. Right? Okay. I have contended from the beginning, still contend now, that that was never necessary. It was never a plot hole that the Death Star had this fatal flaw in it. The reason that it's not a plot hole and the reason the Death Star has this flaw is because when you have an empire, when you have an authoritarian government forcing the speedy construction of something, mistakes are going to happen because people are afraid to tell their superiors that there's a problem. They're not double-checking things because they're trying to make sure they meet a deadline. In this episode, why is why are they able to incite the prison riot that they are? Why is Sokka able to get a guard to open up the gates and let them out all into the yard? Because, because of fear. Because of fear. Because that guard is so terrified of the warden's retribution that he's not going to use common sense. He's not going to think to himself, hold on, maybe I should check and make sure. And if I just ask the warden, hey, is this the right thing to do? Normally, that should be what happens. Instead, he doesn't. Because he's so afraid that Sokka's able to say, the warden's irrational. And he just feels good about it. And then, when the warden screams out, who let these prisoners out into the yard? Rather than speaking up and saying, wait a minute, I was told by some guy, he's so terrified of getting in trouble that he hides. This whole episode is predicated on the fact that when you run an organization exclusively on the back of fear, you open yourself up to bad decisions. You become easy to manipulate. In Star Wars, the reason the Death Star was poorly built is should have been because the Empire did it that way. Because the Empire was trying to so hard to get this thing done, to rush this thing out, that no one was double-checking the plans and no one was running fail-safes and no one was QA testing that they left this fatal flaw in. And it would speak to the inherent issues with running a government or a prison, or a company, or an organization on fear. And this episode does it perfectly. I, yes, I will not argue with Avatar, so, but... So that's I, my Star Wars and Avatar rant for this episode. We've been doing a lot of these. Well, they're, again, they're pretty much the same. <laughs> they're well, so they similar. Are, they are, yeah. Well, there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of inspiration. So I, I have a question so I, for, I have you, a question for you. You're, you're, like, you're interested like, in politics, interested. right? I guess so. Okay. Do you think it would be difficult for you to deal with the geopolitical ramifications of running a country with your relationship? If you were in with, so if I was in a relationship, what what does the girlfriend have to do with this? So like, so like the girlfriend is, you know, I don't know. Like the girlfriend is a Trump supporter. Okay. Like, do you think it would be difficult? Do you, do you feel for Zuko being in this position that, you know, may... Oh, so the, girl, so the girl 
is loyal to the authoritarian, but you're like yeah. a revolutionary. Yeah, or, let's say, I mean, especially you know, for Sound of Music. Sound of music. Right. You're not plot of the Sound of Music. Sound of music. Yeah, but, but especially more so in a position of power. So, I mean, yes. But I, I see your, what you're, you're about to lead into, but there, I, I still just, out, you know, really outside of what May did at the end of the episode, I, just, I still don't buy it. I, I can't. Well, you just, you like May outside, you like outside of, outside you like May, just you don't like their relationship. That's what I'm hearing from you. I, I kind of like May, but she's a little too edgy for me. Um, she is very stereotypical, stereotypical goth, goth nerd girl. And that's normally what I'm like. That's my type. However, I don't know why. And even as a kid, where you you would think like I, I would I definitely. Think, I, I think the reason is is that and look I, that archetype has lots of problems. Like from a purely that's a trope that gets kind of sexist and is does have its issues. I, I don't want to totally get into that. I think one of the reasons you probably feel that way is that it's kind of weirder having that trope in a in the 1860s yeah and like out of all the because it's not like it's she doesn't fit in that trope in any way except being quote that gloomy girl and like that gloomy girl mixed with someone with the temper of zuko it just both of their personalities clashed and brought out the worst of each other so you know, like it just made it I worse. Don't know. I just I don't think they spend enough time together for us to really see that. Then part three, they spend a lot of time with each other. Mm. It's really, only a lot half of, of a book, and in that half a book, it's really like three episodes. When when the chips are down, if I were to remember anything about this, it's what actually happened this episode. So a lot of it was redeemed at the end because. At the very least, you can... But here's the thing, and I, I, I guess I should probably wait until we get there because that's going to be a whole debate, but... Uh, we'll uh, get, we'll get, if you're talking about the ending, let's get to the ending. Let's get to the ending. All right, because I have a, a, a big point I want to bring up about right. what she did that will cause yeah. the debate. Yeah. So, also... So, all right, so they, so they, they get themselves out into the yard. They're able to, uh, to start the prison writing. I do like the little bit of anger, the little humor with... Uh, Oh. Starting the prison riot. That was that made me chuckle. And it was a good, I know that that good humor again. When Avatar does its humor right, it, it was, does it really right. It was placed in the exact right place because it's sort of very much the calm before the storm. Like we're about to have a really climactic moment. It's not like it's right in that sweet spot where it was like funny, didn't last very long. Let's go. Um, it was like. What? I don't want to fight. I'm getting my anger under control. It was his, it was great timing. Yeah. That's com- comedic timing right there. And then the other guy comes in and he picks up the other guy and is like, let's start a riot. It was just, yeah. it was great. Um, and like, Suki's, was, <laughs> Suki's parkouring. That was sick. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, that's another thing I want to bring up just to even like, uh, again, we got to get to that point. There's so much I want to talk about when they make it onto the gondola. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, cause Suki is great. Obviously, like great, great, and then at the end, I'm not saying the end, then, but when they make it onto the gondola and you see the rematch, like the showdown between. Well, yeah, Zuko. I love what I love about I love about that. I was saying is that, and this is this is I think one of the best way, use, ways to do a show when you get towards the end. Everyone has history with each other, and that part of it was really great. 
You have Suki, who has history with, you know, having fought them as a Kyoshi warrior. Obviously, Zuka and Azula have a ton of history. Obviously, there's the Zuko and Mei angle. You know, they're not quite fighting, but still there. Sokka has been fighting Azula a lot. So you have, like, there's a quite a bit, like, there's so much more behind each of these individual fights than just, oh, it's another fight against a villain. And that I really loved. And not just that, they're, they're so... That's why the seeing that the parkour scene, it, it sets you up because not only do you know Suki is super athletic, flexible, and can do anything, Tai Lee is the definition of that. So not only do they have all this history with each other, but they're equally matched with comparable powers. Like, it was mm -hmm. like... It's such... A, it, like, again, I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan, and, like, seeing them... Uh, even... Forget about wrestling. I'm an anime fan. And, like, this is the type of fight that you're just like, let's go, let's do this. And it obviously... But I'll, but it I'll say this, I think, to, to this show's credit, I mean, not to this... I haven't watched all that, all that much anime, but to this show's credit, I think, the fact that all, you add in the fact that all of these characters have such history with each other makes it even better. Right, exactly. Like, it's, yeah. it's not just, yeah, it's a sick fight. Like, I think sometimes one of the issues that some animes have is you'll have this sick fight... But everyone kind of fights one, maybe two times. This had a lot of, had an extra layer that all of these different characters have different histories with each other. Exactly. And it's, it's just when, when, it, when they stared each other down. And again, like we, we talk about, like you, you could debate Star Wars, again, going back to Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith's fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin all you want about them fighting on such a grand stage of like this lava is everywhere and blow like this and that and then like with that in the senate this was a very epic centerpiece for a fight too like running on a gut like you see Ty Lee running on top of the line of a gondola while um while suki uh, counters that and you got azula jetpacking herself onto the it's such a cool the set piece of where they fought made it even better yeah i i, I certainly um I certainly agree. Um, and just to kind of extend out the, the basketball metaphor that I've, that I've been making some, from time to time, I, I think I really like just the little bit of fighting with the, the Suka, Sokka and Zuko where they're fighting, they're sort of tandem fighting as I, I kind of likened it to like kind of putting them in like a little two-man game or them in kind of running a little pick and roll with playing off of each other. It's, it's really, they, I think this show does a really great job of varying varying fights and then like we've never really seen like a firebender and a swordsman kind of playing off of each other that was really cool it also like works really well because you know that Sokka or um because Zuko has his own sword experience it means it's a little more natural for him to kind of fit in with sword fighting while on the other side you have Azula who's probably a lot more used to fighting against bending especially firebending is most of her training maybe a little bit less used to kind of the combination of the two. That was really cool to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and also something I want to I wanna jump onto, too. I like when Zuko was running and jumping, Sokka rescued him. In the middle of their fighting, uh, Zuko had a chance to return the favor. They both, like, saved each other during that fight, too. Um, that was very nice. The show does. Yeah. The, 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 talk about how far Zuko and, and Sokka have come, man. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there, there was a great um, there was a great breakdown that was talking about the fight during the Blue Spirit where Aang and um, Zuko, Zuko's the Blue Spirit, save each other 
like multiple times throughout the fight. You actually see them like eat like I think they save each other like five or six times throughout the fight, and it's really nice because it allows you to kind of imagine what it would be like if they were on the same side. And in this case, I think it does kind of a similar thing that like you're now trying to sell the fact that these two characters are are, are sort of becoming friends and, and joining the same side. And that works really, really well with seeing them kind of, yeah, seeing them together. Um, all right. So now we come to the, the end end. And, and I know you have a bunch of stuff to say, but I want to sort of start because I think from, actually, I'll let you talk and then I'll kind of get into the, to the I want to do a little, a lot, an actual line breakdown. Oh, about what I wanted to debate? Yeah, what's your, yeah. What's All your right. debate? What's your Do you think Ma, um, May, or May. May, 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 do you think May did what she did more so because she loves Zuko or more so because she does not like Azula? And I like, it, there's like, because the reason, but the reason I'm questioning it is because towards the end it's so obvious that she has like a disdain for the arrogance of Azula and like everything that they've gone through just boiled up. And I, I, I want to say that there's at least a percentage there where she, not only was she doing it because she loved Zuko, but she also wanted to spite Azula. I, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think it is entirely about Zuko. Um, for one thing, at no point during the show has she defied or actively gone against Azula. She has no, like, she's not, it, it, Azula really hasn't done all that much specifically to her. Like, May probably has more reason to, like, dis dislike Azula for, like, pulling her out of the circus and, and being kind of a little bit more insulting. So that thing's like, I don't think there's really been any Azula um, and um, and May uh, conflict. Let me let me throw this back at you. I think here's what I'll say. I would say that that might be true of Ty Lee. Well, Ty Lee, I, I I think Ty Lee likes May more. Yeah. Because she doesn't want anything bad. Because she knows that May is about to get screwed. So she wanted to... What, I'm, what I'm saying, though, is I think you could make a very reasonable argument that May... That May's actions have a lot more to do with not wanting to... Like, I agree that she likes May more than Azula, but I think that that has more to do with her anger with Azula than it does May. Okay. So I would agree with you on that sense. From on the the May front, I think it's entirely May May's love for for Zuko. Okay, I just wanted to check because I I was a little I was thinking about it a little bit and just mm-hmm. yeah I I I think it's it's a reasonable thing to at least talk about. But no, I I don't I'm not I'm just not seeing that. Um, and if that's what they were going for, I think they'd have to lay a lot more groundwork for it. Um, 
So I want to, what I wanted to do, I want to, I want to sort of lay, do a little bit of an actual line by line breakdown, because I think that this, this ending, this, this final conversation between Azula and May really does set the tone for the end of the show, that the end of Azula and Azula's downfall. So I actually do, I'm going to go sort of line by line on this and kind of talk through how, and I think it's because it's incredibly well written, I think incredibly calculated. Um, it's like right at the start, the first, like kind of the first thing she says, like, I guess you don't know people as well as you think that you do. I, I like that a, because earlier in the episode you had Azula saying, well, it's because I'm a people person. Um, like, you know, that Azula thinks of herself as, as, as a master manipulator, as a master of, of controlling other people's emotions and thoughts. And to like, right off the bat, get hit with like, it's not. You didn't know me. It's, I guess you don't know people as well as you think that you do. It's like right away kind of attacking her for her arrogance as something that I think really hits home. Um, and then the next line, just you miscalculated. I think for Azula, again, like because these people, these two know each other really well, it's easy for them to sort of really cut the miscalculating, the, the fact that it's not just that I think that those words very specifically, like for someone who's such a perfectionist, which Azula is, like someone like Azula really thinks of herself as like plotting for every angle and, and calculating out every everything. To say that you miscalculated is like really going to to grade at her. And on the other side, and, and this I guess I'll give you one thing to your argument: the fact that she's saying you miscalculated. Friendship shouldn't be a calculation. So I will give you that I, I do agree that Azula that Azula or May probably realizes that Azula for Azula friendship is more of a calculation of whether this is going to be more whether this is going to be positive for me or more positive or more negative for me versus an actual friendship which is you know are you actually my friend and you shouldn't be calculating your friends and I think it also it's just like such a it's such a double hand because like there it does two things we we know azula has trust issues and like but like not only are her friends betraying her at the exact same time but they're insulting her intelligence it's like a she she must have like it sets her up so much for the fall that you know she's about to take yeah i, I for sure and i i think that the and then and then the final one all right you know i'm gonna I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because I, I was a little bit too dismissive of what you were saying. And thinking about it a little bit more now in the context of these lines, I'm actually, I'm not going to say I agree with you, but I do think you hit on something a little more than I initially thought. Because then you have the last line of, I love Zuko more than I fear you. I guess to what your point is saying, she doesn't say, I love Zuko more than I care about your friendship. It's, I love Zuko more than I fear you. You shouldn't be friends with someone because you fear them. Now, I think, obviously, May is sort of saying, I think May is choosing her words extremely carefully here, and that's, that's part of the point, but the, I, I, I do think maybe you are right that there is a little bit less of a true, that this wasn't so much of a question between her boyfriend and her best friend, it's more of her boyfriend and the fear of this person that she sort of respects. Yeah, I mean, I think there was, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to use the word hatred, because I'm not, I don't think May hates Azula. 
But I, I think there's just there's so many problems that she wants to like. I think she like, at the very least, knows their friendship was toxic. So I, I, I don't know if hate. Yeah, I is guess a good word. This is what I would say. I think that you are right that this this has something to like a lot to do with their relationship. The one thing I'm pushing back on is I, I do think that the catalyst for this is her love of Zuko. That she would not have stepped into this space if it, if she didn't love Zuko. So I, I don't think it's a dichotomy. And I think that I, I will now take back what I said. I don't, I don't think it's a dichotomy. I think that it's both of those things together. And then just, you know, the, the final shot, man. I mean, that, that, or not even the final shot, that, that final shot of the battle of, of the two of Azula and, and, and May going into their, into their fighting stances. I mean, that was unbelievable. Like, again, you talk about the facial expressions. It's just like, oh my God, these two are about to like really go for it. And then you have the, the total surprise, um, you know, uh, like Azula just not prepared for this, this moment to happen. And then like, we are all treated to the shock because we're just expecting, oh my God, Azula is just going to cut down her friend. And then Tylee stops her. And that's just, you know, it's, it's incredible. That's another thing too, like how I mentioned to you earlier that like, like in real life, there'd be more consequences to that prison. I think in real life, and again, I don't know how much Azula cares about them, but like in real life, I think Azula just would have like had them, I, I want to say executed, but I don't, again, then that puts, I mean, does, I don't, does she care? Does she care about them at all? I think so. I, here's the thing. I think you could make an argument that she can't in that remember these are both members of reasonably well-known royal families. But they committed they committed treason and it's not like it's like only treason and secret. I, Everyone I, saw them. I agree, but I don't think she could just execute them immediately on site. I think that not having a trial would be problematic. I don't think she thinks like that. No, I, that's where I disagree. Even though we're seeing her beginning to miscalculate, I don't think... I think Azula is still someone who would think through the ramifications of that. I Look, I, I also think that you could just make a very real argument that her point is they should rot in prison, and that's a more... That's a deeper punishment than execution. No, I, I will actually... My thoughts on the matter is that Azula does care for them to an extent to where she just like get them out of my sight. I never want to see them again. What I mean is I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's so much that she cares for them. I think it's that she cares about what they represent. And I think that she what she thinks is by locking them up, they will eventually see the error of their ways and admit that she was right. And not that she would forgive them, but she would be able to get the satisfaction of knowing that they realized she was right. That's fine. I mean, I don't think it's a plot hole at all. It's just, it's just I, I think about what consequences in real life would be for treason. And then not only for treason, but treason in front of Azula. And I, I just imagine out of my instinct that it would just be a lot harsher. Or at the very least, maybe, maybe you're right. And she wouldn't kill them, but I feel like she would just want to take her anger out on them and just like kick them mother. Literally, well, what kick I'm saying them is, I don't. The reason I disagree with that is because I think that even at, this is this is now going away. But I think Azula 
is not I still think Azula is is the type to think that she has such control that she wouldn't do that. Okay. Like I don't think Azula is in this moment like I am going to stomp on their faces and watch them bleed. I think she still thinks of herself as I am the controlled one. I'm the one who doesn't give in to my emotions for revenge. That's a that's Zuko who's emotional and wears his heart on his sleeves. Which is why at the end when she's totally unraveling and she's just like, um, you know, uh, I'm going to celebrate being an only child. It feels almost like absurd because it's Zula's usually not that like in your face that crazy. Um, all right, so the la last question that I, I want to ask you is, do you think that Azula would have melted down the way she did without this specific interaction? So, like, eventually, would she have eventually melted down? Let's say Azula, let's say that they escaped another way. Azula and May were, or Mei and Tylee were not involved. May and Tylee stayed by her side the whole time. Do you think eventually she would have melted down, or do you think that this specific action is the direct cause of that? I think this is the direct cause of it. I agree. I think that this, she, to be this almost. Like, I think this completely tears a hole in her identity. I agree. So, obviously, they, 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 they escape. We, we, we make it back to, to the island. I don't know. you have anything you want to say about the, the reunion? No. It was inconsequential. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I am actually, believe it or not, kind of annoyed that Toph had that, that, that stupid final line about meat. Um. Oh, I think they could have no. just not yeah, said that. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's enough. I think that that because you didn't actually need to do this. I think you could have reordered this. I don't think there's any reason that you couldn't have had the reunion happen and then go back to this, back or back to um, back to the final the final scenes with with Azula May and Tylee. What I like, the only part I like about the reunion is I want to see Katara with the dad. So, like, I'm happy about that, at least. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's just, I, I agree with you that it's a little, it, it kind of gets at the thing I've said before, that for a, for such a, such an emotional high that is the, is that confrontation, to then kind of come down from it with, like, this sort of, sort of silly little bit of emotion with Katara, but other than that kind of meaningless little scene... It's kind of a little much and, and something it's, I it's, it's it's telling them to avoid. Yeah, it's such a hard because like their humor was so on point this episode, and yeah. instead of her saying that for any reason, they could have just had Katara hugging her dad, and that's it. You you did it. But uh, whatever. It's if it it's not. I don't. It's one line. It's not going to distract just subtract anything from the episode. So what are you going to do? So so one, one, one thing before we get to Final Thoughts that I, that I forgot to mention that I, that I want to say, because I, I mentioned this last on the last episode, but I one thing I do have a problem with is, and I do actually think is a bit of a plot hole, is the, the fact that they don't recognize Zuko in the prison, but then immediately everyone knows who Azula is. Isn't that kind of ridiculous? Yes. 
But to be fair, Zuko for a long time was exiled while Zula was always around. I guess. Only two years. I don't know. It seems odd yeah. to me that every, like, it's not like some people, it's everyone just immediately bows they see Zula, and yet no but one noticed Zuko. Who knows how, maybe Azula's been to Boiling Rock before and Zuko hasn't. Maybe. That's true. Alright, I'll remove the word plot hole, I'll just say it's a little weird. I, I, if I were to guess, I, I, the sadist in her would like to visit pr- like this this uh, infamous prison. She while... just visits prisons and is like, I'm gonna. Like, well, no, this is not just a, a prison; it's an infamous prison, and she's That's a sta- like, you know. All right, so I think with that we can wrap up our, our final thoughts and our ratings. Um, what's uh, why don't you kick us off? I love so I remember I, I forgot what rating I gave part one but i remember me saying that like it was good but it was all set up for the the what this episode was and this episode paid off my patience from last episode in dividends i love this episode it was an above average prison break brought up by the fact that um there's just so many characters with so much history in it you really care about uh Sokka's dad because more so because like this entire history with the dad um has been has been a thing since episode one the dad is just like a great character and you're rooting for him to get rescued and reunite with him you're if you don't know what's going to happen in this episode it's actually very tense you, you could go so many routes with this you could have had him stay behind and sacrifice himself you could have done so many things but it ended in a happy ending which was an earned happy ending um as someone who is big into like wrestling and anime, the the two the the really the two v two rematch just had me so pumped up. And as you said, it was it was hoisted by the fact that they have such history with each other, and everyone is well matched on on a power level. And the Sokka and and Zuko working together shows how far they've come. This episode just breathes like. Wow, look how much we've been through to make it to this. And it's just a, it's such an earned episode. That's why this is a... Like, if you actually think about it, like, this is just a regular prison break episode. But the the, the entire backdrop of the, the perfection of the series with the characters elevates it to a level that, like, no, it's the best... Of course, it's the best prison break episode because everything could have happened, and but you, you got a well-earned happy ending. It was great. It was funny. I, I want to give this episode a 10. Like, I really want to give this episode a 10, and I know I'm supposed to be judging it against all of television and not all of Avatar, but I feel like the, the 10s I've given an Avatar were just, like, these spectacles. And, I, 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 you know, there's a point here I would take off, a point here I would take off, so when, I, when the chips are down, this gets a 9.8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I think, for me, this may be the perfect Thoughts from Wu episode. And what I mean by that is this episode, as you said, has plenty of suspense. It's, it, it's, it's a very surprising episode. It's even somewhat surprising just watching it now when you're like, wow, I, you really do get close to like Zula and, and May are really close. And you I like always forget the exact timing of, of Ty Lee coming in and things like that. And yet, even though it's super surprising, super tense and, and does a lot of cool things, it loses nothing upon a rewatch where you know what's going to happen, where now there's all these extra things of, as you were saying, the, the rematches, 
the stuff with Sokka and his dad, the stuff with Suki, and then this whole, and then finally knowing where the story is going, this is one of the most pivotal episodes for understanding the finale, understanding the the end. If you took this out, you would have no idea what was going on with Azula, and that's fundamentally important. So in some ways, this is kind of a perfect episode for us where we think about this sort of both what did we think of this a while ago and what do we think of this now having seen the whole show, which is pretty incredible. I, I agree with you. I, I don't. I can't give this episode a 10. There, as great as it is, it's not quite perfect. There's little things here and there. You're right. The ending was a little eh. For as much as for as great as a lot of things are, there is a lot going on in this episode, and you can make an argument that like maybe the Sokka and his dad stuff doesn't quite get enough time. You can make an argument that like for an episode that's like Zuko and Sokka on a thing, Zuko doesn't really do much in this episode. We kind of don't talk about him. We didn't really talk about him at all, which is not really necessarily a problem. And also, it'd be weird to give an episode that doesn't have Ang in it a ten when this show is in theory ostensibly about Ang. Um, None of these are really problems. I just, you know, the difference between, you know, a, a high 9 and a 10 is, you know, it's it's there, but it's not much. So, yeah, I think I'll give this a 9.7 out of 10. Just really phenomenal, truly, truly an incredible episode. And combined, these two episodes are, are really, really good. And this is, you know, I think doing a one-off, two-part story that, while is obviously 100% not filler at least tiptoes in that direction. Like you could sort of understand them tiptoeing that direction to be this good, I think is really incredible. So really hats off to them on this. I think this is, 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 is was incredible and, and you got to give them give them a lot of credit for it. So yeah, we're uh, two episodes away from the finale. So that's really exciting. It's a four year, what is it? Four year process, three year process. We've been oh, at this for a while. We'll finally be ready to move on, but. Thank you guys for listening. Corey, thank you uh, for uh, being here. And uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, Southern Raiders, a highly anticipated episode.